This afternoon we'll begin the exploration of the metta practice, the formal metta practice. We'll do this formally in instruction with you twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. But I want to just say that uh, even though we're only guiding you in this practice twice a week, what our hope is, is that you will take these instructions, because we're offering instructions today. This is not simply just a guided meditation for you to follow along. We're offering instructions that hopefully will support you to be able to do this practice on your own. This is ultimately the way a teacher hopes that teachings will be received so that a student can become a practitioner, can become independent of the teacher. And so we're offering these, uh, these teachings, these instructions um, to support your practice and to support your, um, um, your, the possibility of your doing this on your own. And we'd encourage you, I think we would encourage you, depending on what's happening for you in your, in your day, to perhaps pick a sitting where it is your metta practice sitting each day. Maybe it's this sitting. Or perhaps for others it may, it may be that uh, an evening sitting works better for the, the, the metta practice, the silent internal metta practice. Or perhaps there are two sittings a day that you'd like to do it, or a sitting and a walking. So it can be, it can be flexible. But we do want to encourage the cultivation of this capacity because the capacity for loving kindness, the capacity for the open heart, the connectedness of heart, is a, is a, is a part of our, the whole path of practice. The Buddha taught many ways in to this path of practice. And, and the, both the mindfulness practice and the metta practice are incorporated in the Eightfold Path. In uh, the mindfulness practice most directly in the, uh, the aspect of right mindfulness. The metta practice, I'd say, is, is included um, under the heading of right effort, where the Buddha encourages us to cultivate wholesome states. May that have not arisen and to maintain wholesome states that have arisen. And so this is an aspect of our practice. The Buddha, the Buddha taught so many different types of practices. So this, uh, this practice of the metta practice is a, an active cultivation, I would say, of this quality of the open heart, the connected heart. So these qualities of, the quality of the open heart, this metta, loving kindness, it's a typical translation for the word metta, is, uh, this quality is found in a list called the Brahma-viharas. I think Greg introduced it by saying we'll have the BV practice this afternoon. Maybe some of you weren't sure what the BVs were. Um, but that's the, the, so this is a, a group of practices that the Buddha offers in, in terms of how we 
uh, how the heart um, explores or how we explore through practice a connection with fellow human beings, with our fellow beings. And so the practice of, uh, of the Brahma Viharas, where Brahma Vihara means divine abode, this includes the, the metta practice, loving kindness, karuna, the compassion practice, mudita, the sympathetic joy practice, and equanimity, upeka, the equanimity practice. These first three, loving kindness, compassion, and sympathetic joy, they're really flavors of this open heart, this connectedness, this connected heart. When the heart is open and kind of resonating with the world, able to meet experience without contraction, able to connect with other beings without resistance or fear, that basic connectedness is the quality of metta, of loving kindness. The open heart in relationship to our fellow beings. When that open heart comes in contact with suffering, the heart, the flavor of that open heart shifts towards compassion. When that open heart meets or uh, connects with or comes in contact with delight and joy in the world, it resonates in sympathy with sympathetic joy, mudita. And so really these first three are, 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 are flavors of this open heart as it moves through the world and meets the joys and sorrows of the world. The fourth Brahmavihara, upeka, equanimity, I understand as being that quality that allows a balance of mind as we do meet the joys and the sorrows, the suffering and the delight in the world. Because it takes a heart that can hold that range of experience without somehow feeling like when when uh, when the if the heart is kind of overwhelmed by suffering, it can shift to pity or aversion around that meeting of suffering. So the equanimity provides the ability for that open heart to be compassion, and so the equanimity is kind of the the ground of non-reactivity through which the metta can become compassion and the, and the metta can become that sympathetic joy. And so these, these interrelate, these, these four Brahma-viharas. Practicing mindfulness itself, I see as a kind of a stealth metta practice because as we've been exploring and talking about, we are exploring having a kind of a allowing awareness or a loving awareness, a kind attention. And that this kind of attention in our own experience 
begins to support this open-hearted relationship to experience, which then supports an open-hearted relationship to our fellow beings. And so it, it begins by, so the, the, the mindfulness practice in a way is a, is a, um, a stealth practice of metaphor oneself. We are encouraging that capacity to fully, fully meet ourselves, belong to ourselves, accept ourselves just as we are. And that is a form of love. And that can radiate outwards towards others when we have that capacity for ourselves. And so that's one way that we are cultivating this quality of love during this retreat is this the practice of mindfulness itself will cultivate love, loving kindness. And we can cultivate all of these qualities, these four Brahma-viharas, with a more direct or active practice directly inclining towards the quality, exploring, opening the heart to metta more directly. And so we can do this. The the formal practice of metta that we offer here is actually not based on the, the suttas, the direct words of the Buddha, but rather on the commentaries, some of the commentaries which offered this very um, extensive practice to support the, the growth and the development of this quality of loving kindness. The instructions the Buddha offers in the suttas are, are kind of, they're simple. And I'll just say the phrase for the the metta practice and we we may chant it some evenings I think we actually have this chant in our repertoire so the the phrase is I will abide pervading one quarter one quarter of space that's what that one quarter means like so one quarter the this direction I will abide pervading this direction with a mind imbued with kindness. Abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with kindness. Likewise, the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, so above and below and everywhere, to all as to myself. So those are the basic instructions from the Buddha and uh, for myself at least, I don't know about you, but that notion of having the sense of I'm sitting in the field of metta and just like a metta engine pervading the universe with metta, that was not easy for me. And I think also the people who followed in the time of, after the time of the Buddha found, wow, that's, 
not so easy. And so the, uh, the commentaries basically offer a more systematic and structured approach to cultivating this quality, which is, um, or the, all of these qualities actually, these, we have um, a system of exploring this connection of the, the quality of metta in relationship to specific beings to start. So rather than trying to pervade universally, immensely, immeasurably, this quality of metta, we pick a person and explore, okay, can I wish, may you be happy, may you be healthy, and it's, it's, it's looking at this quality, this exploration of this connection with another being and beginning to see where the rub is in making, those, in making that wish, in exploring that connection. Because there will be rub. And so this is, I think, actually one of the, the really um, supportive parts of this more specific kind of practice because we, in the um, exploration of a radiating metta or a kind of a pervading metta practice, it can be easy to delude ourselves, feeling like we have this quality of love that can be just shared with all beings, but we're conveniently forgetting about certain people. And if we brought them into our mind, it'd be, oh, well, maybe not That, that person. <laughs> so this, uh, the specific quality, uh, looking at a specific being, begins to reveal any place where we might have subtle stuckness around truly connecting unconditionally with all beings. And so the metta practice itself, the loving-kindness practice, is a cultivation of this quality of loving-kindness, open-heartedness, connectedness. It has a, a, um, an unconditional, the, 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 the deepest form of this quality of, of metta is unconditional. It doesn't require anything back. It doesn't require in your wishing for somebody to be well that they love you back or even that they respect you. It doesn't require that. And yet what we see as we do this practice is where those subtle requirements are kind of embedded in our system, in our psyche. And so as we explore this practice, we will run up against these rubs We'll, we'll, we'll recognize, yeah, so this dear friend, oh yes, I love you dearly. But then as we're coming, uh, wishing this person well, but they did that thing. Oh, may you be happy. But what about that time? And so those, these come up. These, these kind of, um, the, the, the places of friction around where the heart can be open come up as we explore opening the heart to other beings. This is not a mistake. 
This is actually how the metta practice is designed to work, especially as we're looking at these individual beings, these connections with individual beings. So um, one of my metta teachers on one retreat, I did a month of metta practice just entirely. I took one of these month-longs actually and met with my teachers and did the metta practice entirely for the month. And one of my teachers that month was Guy Armstrong. And those of you who were, oh, he wasn't teaching in in February, so you didn't get to hear this potentially. But uh, um, uh, he commented at one point that doing this metta practice, it's kind of like taking a metta magnet. Have a metta magnet and you're like holding it against your heart. You're running it over your heart. And what does a magnet do? it pulls its opposite to the surface. And so as we're taking this metamagnet, which is expressed by connecting with wishes of kindness for another being, may you be happy. What you may feel is some coming out, a little clench. That's the metta practice working. That's not some failure or horrible fault in your own mind. This is how it works. And so perhaps you might have the, the approach or the, the view, oh, may you be happy. <laughs> oh, good, the metta practice is working. <laughs> it's revealing that stuff. Okay, and, and as that stuff comes up, we explore trying to just, it's just kind of like, it's almost like we just set it aside, if possible. Sometimes it's not possible, but it's just like, okay, yeah, that comes up, okay. Metamagnet doing its job, try the next phrase. Just keep, keep trying to keep going. I'll ex- explore the various phrases for you in a, in, with you in a moment. Um, but just during that month-long retreat, um, doing this practice 24-7, well, not 24-7, because I didn't do it while I was asleep, but I did it all day long when I was eating, when I was doing my yogi job, when I was sitting, when I was walking, as much as I could remember, I was doing it. And I was assigned to be a dishwasher, and uh, I was an evening dishwasher, so I had the job by myself. And every now and then the machine would get a little stuck, the handle would get stuck, and I would be wishing, you know, may all beings be happy. Who designed this stupid machine anyway? Oh, anger, yes, the met- oh, may all beings be healthy. <laughs> all this stupid machine. And so just really seeing this, this kind of uh, frustration being evoked from connecting to the metta practice. I, I, I kind of laughed at it. I mean, that's, it's nice when we can laugh at our minds. One of my colleagues, Gil Fronstel, says, it's good to be able to laugh at your mind because then you'll be endlessly amused. <laughs> the stuff that goes on in there. So this... Uh, this practice is 
we um, we start where it's easiest in terms of a being. And so today we'll explore three places that, three categories of beings that may be easy or easier, let's say. So the, the self, which in our culture seems to be a little bit less easy for many people. And then what we call an easy being or a benefactor. Um, Joseph Goldstein gave us the instruction one time, just pick a being that makes you smile for that category. Somebody for whom it's really easy to feel a connection. And then the third category that we'll explore is a dear friend. And so picking specific individuals for these will help to find that rub and work with that edge. And so we, um, the crux of the practice is basically inclining the mind towards the quality of loving kindness by bringing the person for the particular category into mind and then saying a phrase that's evocative of loving kindness. The classic instructions are to use words and the classic phrases for, um, for loving kindness are, may you be happy, may you be healthy, and these are variations of the classic phrases, may you be safe, may you live with ease. And the, the, um, the instructions in the commentaries encourage us to um, use phrases. So think thoughts, basically. So this is using thoughts to incline the mind in the direction of this quality. These thoughts are expressive of connectedness, of well-wishing, of care. And so in saying this phrase, or bringing some being into mind and expressing that wish, we are essentially connecting with the intention towards metta. May you be happy. It's not a demand. And it also may happen in this practice that we may not feel that connection. But what we explore here is connecting to understanding the meaning of this phrase. It's not a mantra practice. We don't just go through saying, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be at ease. You could get some concentration with just repeating the phrases in that kind of rote way. But we're exploring connecting to the content of that phrase. What does it mean? Just the dictionary definition, the simple definition, may you be happy. We all know what that means. So bringing the person to mind, expressing the, uh, uh, the phrase as a wish. And then for myself, one, another instruction from Guy Armstrong that I found so helpful was to connect to, after making that wish, saying that phrase, connect with the heart after that. Just take a moment to just land in this area in the heart and see how did it affect the heart to make that wish? What was the impact? What was the effect? This, to me, brought the metta practice from being a head practice, thoughts, thinking thoughts, to being more of an embodied practice, feeling into how does the heart respond to that wish. 
and then connect with the person again and say the next phrase. So we'll do this together for some time um, and, and we'll explore this in a guided meditation to give you the flavor of how it might work. And so it's often helpful for metta practice to have the body be as comfortable as possible. And so finding a posture that feels comfortable for you. It's okay to slouch a little bit or, you know, just find a posture that feels comfortable. And begin by connecting with the sensations in the area of your heart. This kind of gives you a, a sense or a place of you know, how are you to begin right now? Just how is the heart right now? And if it supports you, you can actually put your hand on your heart to feel this area more directly. Sometimes the warmth of the hand also helps that. So just how is the heart right now? Just feel what's there. No wrong answer. And it's also often uh, we'll start with the easy being today. So picking a being that makes you smile. Somebody who supported you, helped you. And bringing this being to mind, you could do this with an image if that's available for you or could uh, just say the person's name. Sometimes that evokes a sense of them. Sometimes I've envisioned them as if they were sitting in front of me here on the retreat, just face to face with this being. And it's often helpful to start when you start with a new being to connect with what you appreciate about this being. Any qualities that you feel that, that seem like that you admire or respect, something kind they may have done for you, So some things things that you appreciate about them. Noticing the good is said to be the proximate cause for metta to arise. And so with this being, bringing them an image or a sense of them into your mind, saying the phrases of kindness. May you be happy. Potentially imagining them doing something that makes them happy. And check in. How does it feel to make that wish? How is the heart, how is the body having made that wish?
May you be healthy. Envisioning perhaps the being doing something for themselves. How does it feel to have made that wish? May you be safe. You can take your time with this. Each phrase, as long as each phrase feels connected. No need to rush through this. May you live with ease. And then continuing, connecting to the being. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. Continuing for the next few minutes, exploring this silently in your own. On your own. Remembering that you may or may not feel this quality of connectedness. But staying connected to this wish, which is directing the heart towards the metta.
And now we're going to explore opening to ourselves with the metta practice. With yourself again. You can bring yourself to mind in terms of an image of yourself or sometimes I just find, how am I right now? That the feeling of just this body sitting here may be the connection. And taking a few moments to reflect on what you appreciate about yourself. For me, this was challenging. And if this happens to be challenging for you, I will offer you something to appreciate. You are here in this room choosing to spend your month or months cultivating beautiful qualities of mind. This is a rare and amazing thing worthy of your appreciation. And so however you are connecting to yourself as a being, offering yourself these phrases. May I too be happy. May I be healthy. Noticing how does it affect, how does it affect the being? How does it affect your being to make these wishes? May I be safe. May I live with ease. You are a being worthy of love, worthy of respect. The Buddha said, you can search the whole world and you won't find anyone more worthy of respect than yourself, more worthy of love than yourself. May I too be happy. May I be healthy. Using imagery if it supports you to connect to what it might mean for you to be healthy. Creativity in the metta practice is It's fine. May I be safe. May I live with ease. Continuing 
silently on your own for the next few minutes, exploring, offering loving kindness to this being. And bringing a dear friend into mind. Often helpful in the metta practice to bring a friend into mind to whom you would not be sexually attracted. Just keeps things a little simpler. And also potentially a friend that maybe the relationship isn't too complicated. And so again, recollecting this dear friend and reflecting for a few moments on what you appreciate about this friend. What qualities do you appreciate? And maybe remembering happy times you've shared or things they've done, kind things that they've done. And offering the wishes of kindness to this friend. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. 
and remembering if there's any rub that's experienced, any little memories of things that happen between you. That's the meta, meta magnet doing its job. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. Continuing again for the next few minutes in silence with your dear friend. And then for the last few moments of the sitting, we're going to explore a variation on this practice. Imagining, bringing your benefactor, your easy being to mind. As if the two of you are together in a room somewhere where it feels safe and at ease. And imagine this being offering you the wishes. So you're sitting here receiving these wishes from your benefactor your benefactor expressing, may you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. How does it feel to receive this metta? Exploring that for a few moments, imagining your benefactor
in an open heart, expressing their love and care and concern for you. In practicing this on your own in other sittings or on subsequent days, you can take your time in going through these categories of beings. In about three days we'll add a couple more categories of beings, but in these next few days, exploring, practicing this wish of metta, this wish of kindness for easy being, benefactor, yourself, and a dear friend. But you could take a whole sitting and just explore metta to your benefactor, or, or kind of this alternation between benefactor and self, if that last part resonated for you, of having the benefactor wish you, you metta. That's a kind of a, 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 an indirect way to offer yourself metta imagining your benefactor offering it to you. You could take a whole day, two days to just explore that in your metta sittings, just that piece. And then, and then add um, in a day or two this, this dear friend. When I did the um, metta practice for a month, I spent two weeks doing self and benefactor. <coughs> That was all I did. And, e- and then all beings in, the kind of in between times. But, but in the sitting, in the walking, it was just self and benefactor. And so you can really n- take your time and settle in to working with, with a particular being. Mm-hmm. 